John, John for the good prayer. You might want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll be reading from that chapter in just a minute. And we'll be uh, reciting from 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Both of those will be in just the next uh, couple minutes at the beginning of the lesson. I was thinking when John was up here uh, uh, leading us in prayer, I think the, uh, the folks up in the uh, sound booth up there, they have to adjust, adjust this thing depending on the person, the person who is speaking into it and the, the sound of their voice. And I think they probably have to you know, turn it up just a notch or so far. For John, I guarantee you they're turning it down now. Because my, my voice is, is so loud. This, this goes all the way back to when I was a, a kid. This is a true story. When I was in sixth grade, I got a report card. Remember the old report cards on the other side? It would say, uh, takes his work seriously and plays well with others and all of those various things. My sixth grade teacher did one thing. In great big letters, she wrote, He's too loud. That's all she wrote over there. And so I just have one of those voices, and I know they, I think they turned this thing on and turned this one off, I think, when I'm up here. And so I, I just have one of those voices, and I hope, you're, I hope you're okay with that. We're glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for your attendance. You have heard people say, you maybe have said it yourself, if he believes that, Man, he's just kidding himself. Or maybe they actually go even a little bit further and say, if he believes that, he's making a fool out of himself. What they mean is that something is obvious to everybody. Everybody can, can see it and they know what the truth is, but there's somebody who just won't see the truth. They just don't want to see the truth. Us humans can make ourselves believe whatever we want to believe. It's, it's funny how we are sometimes, but we can make ourselves believe anything. Don't, don't confuse me with the facts. This is what I want to believe. Did you know that even in the Bible, we are warned about fooling ourselves? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 18, Paul says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. For us to deceive ourselves means that we convince ourselves that something is good, something is right, something is correct, something is okay, when in reality it's not that way at all. It's just what we want to believe. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, in the first part of, of that passage, Paul says there, examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. And then he says, test yourselves. Now when we do that, we've got to be honest with ourselves. 
We've got to see it the way it really is, and us humans are not too good at that. We tend to see whatever we want to see. We, we preach and we teach about not lying. Revelation 21 and verse 8, All liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. We wouldn't lie to our spouse. Absolutely not. We wouldn't lie to our neighbor. No, we will not do that. But we lie to ourselves sometimes. We're good at that. In the book of James, in James chapter 1, and this starts about verse 22, James 1 and verse 22. James says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any man is a, a hearer of the word, but he's not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, and then he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. A person is deceiving themselves. When they've heard the gospel preached many times, they've heard the New Testament, they know the plan of salvation, they know what God requires, and yet they have never been obedient to it. But they, they, they find some comfort in, in what they know. I know what the Bible teaches, and I know what God expects me to do. I haven't done it, but, but I know something about God's Word. Or, or maybe they even profess to be a Christian. At some time or other, they obeyed the gospel. And they might say, well, ten years ago, I went into the waters of baptism. Well, that's a fantastic thing. But they're not really trying to practice the New Testament. They're not faithful in their attendance. They might come occasionally if there's nothing else they want to do that particular day. Uh, maybe they will come, but they're really not faithful. But, but they find a, a false sense of security in what they know about God's Word. Well, having, having a knowledge of the Bible is a, is a good thing. That, that's great but minus our obedience to it. It doesn't help us. T.A. believes that it might actually make it a little harder on us on the day, on the day of judgment because of what we know. We do know, but we have not acted on what we know. Remember when our parents used to say, Hey, you know better than that. Well, we do. We know what God requires, but we have to, to act on those things that we know and put it into practice. In Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, this starts about verse, about verse 24 in Matthew 7. Jesus says there, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man built his house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell not. It was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. 
I will liken him to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, floods came, the winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. A wise man is one who hears God's word and puts it into practice. That is, that is building our house on the rock. Have you ever noticed Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3? Galatians 6 and 3. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, T.A., I, I don't have any idea what that passage says. Well, well don't feel bad. It, it's kind of an obscure verse. We don't, uh, we don't talk about it much. We don't read it. We don't preach about it. And so if you're not familiar with that passage, it, it's okay. We don't read it much. But what Paul tells us there really applies to exactly what we're talking about right now. In that verse, Paul writes... For if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he is deceiving himself. If we believe that we are in good standing with God, when really that's not the case at all, we're not, we're not practicing God's Word, then we are deceiving ourselves. Let us... Let us be doers of the Word and not, not fool ourselves into a false sense of security. Back in the book of James, in James chapter 1 and in verse 26, this is a, a, a quote from, from the New King James Version. James 1 and verse 26. James says there, If, if anyone among you thinks that he is religious but he does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, then, James says, this one's religion is useless. We go to church. And for the most part, our conduct is pretty good. But our mouth is a trash can. We're deceiving ourselves, and our religion, James says, is useless. Think about that now. Uh, th think about this scenario. and Think about what James just said here. We, we come to church on Sunday morning to, to worship. That's a wonderful thing. That's a great thing. We, we sing those songs. We bow our heads when prayer is being Led. We, we take the Lord's Supper. All of, that, all of that is a great thing. But then we go out and we slander our brothers and sisters. We gossip. We lie. We curse and we swear. Then, then based on what James just told us, everything that we did at church Sunday is useless. And we are deceiving ourselves if we think that what comes out of our mouth does not matter. Look with me at the book of James again. In James chapter 3, in James chapter 3, let's start reading about verse 5. James says that even so the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire Kindles and the tongue is a fire. Notice what he says about the tongue now. It's a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles our whole body 
and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. He's talking about the thing right here. For every kind of beast, bird, reptile, creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. If we think it doesn't matter what comes out of our mouth, we are, we are deceiving ourselves. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 10, 1 Peter 3 and verse 10, Peter writes there, He who would love life and, and see good days, and surely we all want that, don't we? We, we? we want to love life. We want to see good days. How do we do that, Peter? Peter says, Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let us, let us not deceive ourselves. What comes from our mouth does matter. And finally, we look at 1 John 1 and verse 8. 1 John 1 and verse 8. John writes there, If we say that we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Romans 3 and verse 23 tells us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now let me say this, and this is important. That person who is living a Christian life is, is not a servant of sin. Oh no, no, they're, they're not wicked. Absolutely not. They're, they're not an evil person. They don't go out every day and, and see how much evil they can do. It's, it's not like that, that person who is trying to live a Christian life. That's not the case at all. But we still must realize and acknowledge that we all sin and fall short and come short of the glory of God. That happens to us all. I think about what, uh, what John M. Johnson used to say. I went to church with John M. Uh, out at uh, Mount Vernon for several years, a fantastic man. And I, and I can remember that John used to lead prayer, and, and one of the phrases that he would use in his prayer was, he would say, Lord, help us to realize that even at our best, we still make mistakes. And he was exactly right. And that is something that we need to understand. And we've got to be willing to acknowledge our sins and shortcomings. Let me show you why that's so important. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's start reading at verse 9. Paul writes, I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. There you go. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world 
produces death. Godly sorrow produces repentance. If we believe that we never make a mistake, there's no godly sorrow. If there's no godly sorrow, there is no repentance. If there is no repentance, there is no forgiveness. And no doubt, we are, we are deceiving ourselves if that is our spirit. Let me show you a passage in, in Luke chapter 18. This is Jesus talking here. And, and, and in this story that Jesus tells in Luke 18, we see one man who thinks way too highly of himself and another man who has the right spirit. Let's start reading at verse 9. Luke says he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were considered the, the strictest sect of the Jews. The Pharisees were considered to be ultra-religious. The other was a tax collector, uh, the, the Roman publicans. They were, most of them were Jewish by race, but they worked for the Romans. And they collected the Roman taxes, and the Jews, as a general rule, despised the tax collectors. Now the Pharisee, he stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. No, sir, I'm not. The extortioners and, and the unjust and adulterers or even that, that tax collector standing over there. I'm not, I'm not like him. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. God, you sure are lucky to have me. Man, I am, I am really righteous. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he, he, he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, and this is, this is Jesus, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. There is the spirit and the attitude that we must have. I, dear Lord, I know that I make mistakes. Please be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, most people in the church, they, they really are good people. They, they really, really are. But we all still make mistakes and we must be willing to acknowledge that. But the good news is, is back in 1 John. Back in the book of, of 1 John chapter 1, starting at verse 7, John says there, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Again in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are we talking about perfection here? Absolutely not. 
we all sin and fall short. But if, we, if we're walking in the light, we're trying to live that Christian life. We're really trying. Then the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Are we deceiving ourselves this morning? Are we telling ourselves that we're on our way to heaven when the truth is we really are not? Have you obeyed the gospel this morning? Have you repented of your sins? Confessed your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and been immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins? If you have reached that accountable age, you are mature enough to understand the plan of salvation and what God requires of you, you need to obey the gospel. Do not lie to yourself nor deceive yourself. You need to obey the gospel. Just Friday night, Friday night, a a cousin of mine, taken to church when he was a child, knew what he needed to do. I guess guess Jeff is probably... He's, he's a bit younger than me. He's probably somewhere in his uh, lower 50s now, I, I suppose. He calls me out of the blue, which is uncommon. But Jeff called, and he said, Hey, I need to get my life in order. And I was wondering if I could come over in the morning, and you'd baptize me. My only response was, what time do you want me to meet you? Jeff came over yesterday morning and obeyed the gospel. We would, we would love to, to help you this morning become a Christian. Don't deceive yourself. It could be that you have been a Christian at some time in your life, but, but you have strayed away. If, if that's the case with you, I, I think most people know it. If they were in church for a while and they've, they've obeyed the gospel and, and they have, have uh, been a Christian for a while, but they've fallen away, they know it. They, they know those things. So don't, don't lie to yourself. If you are not in good standing with God now, you know it. Repent of those things that caused you to go astray. And ask for the prayers of those that are faithful. And be restored. You can do those things while we stand and while we sing.